Welcome to the Food Therapy Podcast, where we talk honestly and openly about mental health, diet culture, BS, and food freedom. We're your co-hosts. I'm Brittany Modell, owner of Brittany Modell Nutrition and Wellness. And I'm Lauren Sharp, owner of Empower Method Nutrition. We are food freedom registered dietitians who have struggled with mental health, poor body image, and disordered eating behaviors. We are on a mission to dismantle diet culture, normalize conversations around mental health, and empower you as you heal your relationship with food and your body. Let's get talking. Welcome back to the Food Therapy Podcast. Today, we are going to be discussing all things alcohol. So there are different approaches we're going to take here. We're definitely going to talk about intuitive eating and alcohol. We're going to talk about the impact of alcohol on our overall sleep and stress and well-being and anxiety. And yeah, so let's let's take it away, Lauren. Let's do it. Where should we start? Honestly, like I kind of want to talk about like our relationships with alcohol throughout our lives, as well as obviously getting into what you're mentioning with like diet culture and drinking and how alcohol fits in and all of that. So where did you like, what did your relationship with alcohol used to look like, look like now? So it's actually interesting because my relationship with alcohol has changed dramatically in the last decade. Mm -hmm. So in the beginning, I was really afraid to drink. And a lot of that had to do with my anxiety. I didn't like the feeling of being out of control. I didn't want to feel dizzy. I didn't want to, I didn't want to feel drunk. So for a really long time, I actually did not drink. And even in college, which I think I mentioned in the mental health episode, I had like a very like strange relationship with alcohol and I did not like to drink. Mm -hmm. So in the earlier part of the time when I could actually legally drink, or maybe not so legally, but (laughs) earlier part of my drinking, I did not drink because of anxiety. And then I, once like the anxiety was a bit more controlled, I was also fearful of the calories. And so college, I think was a weird time. I actually think I drank a lot towards like junior, senior year looking back, but everything I drank was vodka soda literally just vodka, soda, and lime. I was afraid of anything with additional calories, no beer, none of like that fruit punch, anything. I just wanted to drink the clear alcohol as minimal calories as I could have. And as I was leaving and went into like, you know, post real world, I still had that same mentality of like, I'm only going to drink vodka, soda. So I actually really did not enjoy alcohol at all. I did not like it. I didn't think it tasted good, but I did want to feel that buzz post-college. I would say where I am now with alcohol, I actually really enjoy cocktails. I don't think about the calories in them. I don't think about the sugar in them. I'm mindful of my alcohol intake simply because I don't necessarily love how it makes me feel. I think that it really disrupts my sleep and also creates a lot of anxiety for me the next day. So I'm very mindful with my alcohol consumption now. But what I will say is at the beginning of the pandemic, my boyfriend and I were drinking a lot, like so many other people, you know, we were like, (laughs) what is happening? We're in this global pandemic. And I noticed that it was really negatively impacting my well-being. And so I went from drinking several days a week, which is very unlike me, Mm -hmm. to drink during the work week to acknowledging, okay, I'm not sleeping well. 
I'm not wanting to move my body. I also feel anxious. How can I drink this in moderation? So I'm still able to have the same experiences, but maybe not have it impact my well-being. And then I ended up being like, all right, I'm just gonna for the most part really only drink on the weekends. And that's kind of where I am now. It's not a hard and you know set rule. There will be times where I drink during the week, but for the most part, I do try and just limit the amount that I'm drinking solely because of how it impacts me and makes me feel. Hundred percent you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean we literally are the same human. So I was the <laughs> same way like my beginning college years, you know, as we talked about, if you guys haven't listened to the mental health episode, definitely uh, go back and listen to that because it will impact most of what we're talking about in our future episodes because it's impacted our lives. But my freshman and sophomore year, I was the same way where I really feared the feeling of alcohol. Like in the moment it would feel okay. And I'd like start to feel good. And then like, especially I went to Delaware and day drinking was a whole sport (laughs) and I hated, I loved going to like what we, we called them dages. Some places call them darties, you know, it's culture, (laughs) but we, I hated the feeling of coming home from a dage. This feels so weird talking about it. It feels like so long ago, but, and it's almost like this just overwhelm of like sadness, anxiety, depression. Like it is the worst feeling in the world. And so I hated that. Um, but also the control aspect and like the dizziness with the hangover. I still hate that. Like it, it makes me feel out of control. And that's why like even with other substances, I've never dabbled in because it terrifies me of being out of control. So, uh, and during my freshman and sophomore years, I was just anything that rocked me. I was already so anxious. I was just like an anxious little peach. And anytime that I had something that could rock me in the slightest way, I was terrified healed my anxiety, healed my relationship with food. Start, no, I don't want to say healed my anxiety, but improved uh, yeah. my techniques in dealing with my anxiety. And junior, senior, I was the same way. Like I definitely drank a lot more. I Sophomore year, I broke up with a boyfriend who was still at home. Junior year, I was like, this is my year. I'm doing it. Like had so much fun. Uh, but it was the typical college drinking. And I was the same way where it was like, okay, only vodka sodas, only vodka sodas, only vodka sodas. And at the same time, like our bar, like what else do you really get? Like, a, like it was just disgusting. <laughs> the little drinks. plastic cups. Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. Little plastic cups. Like I, there was no like particular cocktail that would have been very enjoyable. Like there was like these things called trash cans, just like absolutely disgusting blue shit. I don't even know what was in it. Then there's like, I don't know if you had Slaters or if that's a Delaware thing, but basically it's like a Slater race and you, I can't even remember. It was like Coke and vodka, I think. I don't even remember, honestly, maybe Red Bull. And you have a race with people of how fast you can drink it. Classic, uh, you know, college culture. But anyway, so I drank a lot more my junior and senior year. And honestly, like, because my mental health was so much better, I was feeling like I was actually able to enjoy alcohol so much more, uh, because I really liked the social aspect of it. 
And now I'm kind of in a place where I am being more intuitive with it, not as like a college kid drinking, like whatever, not even caring how you feel. Um, now I'm, I'm the same way where I don't really drink during the week unless it's like, you know, recently it's been beautiful out and we're like, oh, I really want a glass of rosé on the roof or something like that. But otherwise it's really only on the weekends and yeah, I'm definitely mindful of it. I don't honestly love sweet drinks. So if like I order something like a skinny margarita, like I hate that it has to be called that because I genuinely just don't like the, like when there's this extra syrup in it. Right. Um, I like more of that like fresh taste. And honestly, my drink of choice is, it's not a vodka soda, but it's a vodka soda with fresh lime juice. Because when it has fresh lime juice, I genuinely just love the refreshing taste of it. Um, but overall I'm not like, I always ask for like a dry wine. I'm not like a very, I don't, love- you're not into this. Yeah. It's interesting. I kind of, I don't know what I like, but I love tequila. And so yes. anything with like a margarita, I don't like it when it's too, too sweet, but yeah. I do like some sweetness. Yes. And going back to what you were saying with the day drinking in college, yeah. I relate to that so much. <laughs> and in the mental, I think it was mental, I don't know. It was one of the first two episodes I was talking about eating my roommate's peanut butter in the closet during the day. That was after day drinking. Mm. And so after, you know, not eating during the day, mostly because we were just like out and drinking and then everyone was napping and I just felt like an immense sadness and anxiety and it was very overwhelming. And so I would always to soothe. Um, Just going back to that. Yes. If everyone was napping and I wasn't, that was just like spiral time. Oh my goodness. Yes. And even when I woke up from the nap and then I, it would give me anxiety because I'm like, okay, well now it's 10 PM. I can't go back to sleep. What do I do? And like, it was right. just a whole, a whole thing. So going back to college, cause I do, I mean, maybe it started in high school for some, but I feel like for most this idea of drunkorexia, mm. which is really when people are restricting foods, skipping meals to save up calories yes. for some type of like alcohol binge or just alcohol consumption. And people who engage in these behaviors are actually more likely to also engage in eating disorder behaviors, binging, fasting, and laxatives. Mm-hmm. So I found, and I'm curious what your experience was, this was extremely common when I was in school. Mm-hmm. I have a distinct memory of actually visiting my best friend at Michigan and we, like University of Michigan, and these girls, like not, not her friends, but like another group that we were with, like no one ate during the day. And then they would all of a sudden like get intoxicated. Mm-hmm. And I've never seen people eat pizza like this in my entire life, mm-hmm. like scarfing down pies of pizza mm-hmm. because it was almost like being drunk, like gave them, like allow them to indulge or eat food that they normally wouldn't eat. Yep. And I just think it's so interesting. And obviously like when you were drinking on an empty stomach, like you will feel alcohol that much more. And I'm sure that was also an incentive for some of these girls and, you know, wanting to like look good in their clothing. And I think there are so many other things that are sort of part of this picture, but I do think this idea of drunkorexia is very real and honestly not spoken about enough. Yeah. Did you find that to be the case when you were in school? 
Yeah. So definitely the case with others, not necessarily myself, because going back to that, like feeling out of control, it was another Mm -hmm. thing that freaked me out that I was like, well, if I don't eat, I'm going to feel dizzy or I'm going to not feel good. So I would always eat, but I would over-exercise the day I was going out or like the day before, or also it was like a huge thing for me to be like, I can go out tonight, but I have to be able to get up and like have a smoothie and do my workout in the morning. Like, right. So more of the like compensatory behaviors rather than like, oh, I'm not going to eat before I go out. But I 100% saw that in other girls. And also like, I see it a lot in my clients where on weekends, their binges will happen more often because Mm. they're having alcohol and they let themselves chill out a little bit. And that's like their permission slip to quote unquote, eat whatever they want. Right. And it's really detrimental because they're not including those foods during the week. So they have the tiniest bit of alcohol and they're like, okay, I can chill out. And then they binge on all of these foods that they're not allowing. So it's definitely not a great behavior, not a good behavior at all. And it is so important to eat when you're drinking because you're just not, you're going to feel that much worse. And even when I come home after drinking, I such, I make it such a point like, all right, what are we going to eat? Because I feel so much better in the morning too. hundred percent. If I, especially when there's some carbs involved, I don't know what it is, but it just, I feel so much better. And I think it's, what's interesting is that people will go out of their way to not eat. And there's, you know, to alcohol is not food. And so it doesn't get metabolized the same way. It doesn't get absorbed the same way. And so to, to consume most of your calories, from alcohol, like you're literally going to miss out on so many important nutrients. Yes. And you're also just not going to feel good. Right. It doesn't feel good to have a lot of alcohol during the day yeah. or day after day. Also, the impact of alcohol on your blood sugar the next day is a mm. really interesting topic. I am, I make it such a point the next day if I'm feeling okay enough to make myself a good meal. Uh, But to really include that carb, protein, and fat, I mean, I make it a point every day, but your blood sugar the next day can definitely be a little bit out of whack. So making Mm -hmm. sure that you're having those balanced meals and not in the sense of like, oh, this has to be a restrictive balanced meal. It's just like, okay, I'm having pizza that's got my carb, that's got my fat, and there's some protein in the cheese, you know? So making sure that you're not just but you're getting a a balance of food. You're not restricting the next day, anything like that, because it's going to make you feel worse. And I think it's important to even like notice behaviors when you're drinking. Like, are you compensating in other ways? Are you going to the gym or you have to have a workout in before you go out? Are you eating less, you know, at breakfast and lunch if you know you're going to go out to eat? So figuring out, you know, are there any compensatory mechanisms that you're sort of leaning on And are they disordered? Because I honestly think that so many of these behaviors are just normalized in our society that people don't even realize that they're disordered. Exactly. A hundred percent. Same with disordered eating. It's like, oh, isn't that just normal eating? It's like, well, no, you know, being, feeling guilty and feeling shameful about eating and drinking is not healthy. Um, So yeah, I think it's important. Like if you're listening to this and you notice that you're doing certain behaviors to kind of tap into that and to figure out like, what are some of the compensatory behaviors that you are engaging in? 
Mm-hmm. I also think like this idea of our culture and, you know, drinking and it's, it's just so interesting how the industry has like, I don't even know what it's called, like the alcohol industry or the beverage industry has targeted young women with these like skinny margaritas and, you know, these skinny cocktails, like only a hundred calories. And it's even with men too, right? Like the, the creation of light beer. Right. And so like, they know their audience. They know that people are calorie conscious. They know that, you know, they want to know how many calories are in their drinks. And I think that it's another example of diet culture, just being predatory and taking advantage of, you know, young men and women. Yep, definitely. And it's so funny too, because a lot of times like those lower calorie drinks don't have as much alcohol. So it's like, you're probably drinking more. Yeah. You're probably drinking more to get to a certain point anyway. Right. And also like just going along with this idea of satisfaction, if you, it's the same thing with food. If you are choosing to eat something because it's lowering calories, but it's not giving you the same amount of satisfaction, you will not feel satisfied. And so you will constantly be searching out different items. I always say like, if someone wants a cookie and instead they're having like brown rice cakes, Mm -hmm. it isn't going to be as satisfying. Right. It's the same thing with alcohol too. I think it's like, so choosing, like being really deliberate with what you're drinking choosing something that you actually enjoy if you are going to drink. And this episode is not a way to like get people to drink, I think. So like, I'm sorry if it's coming off this way, but it's more for those who are already drinking. Right. It's not like drink alcohol is like a really healthy part of a diet. (laughs) But I do want to preface, like if you are going to choose to drink, like making sure that you are choosing drinks that are actually satisfying to you. So if you do enjoy a cocktail, choosing the cocktail, if you, you know, if a glass of wine sounds really satisfying and and that's what you like, like choosing Mm -hmm. that instead, but not solely choosing it based on calories and like sugar content. Yes, exactly. And also based on how you might feel the next day too. So I almost always, not that you have to, but I almost always choose a drink with some sort of club soda in it because Mm. it helps me stay slightly hydrated. Yeah. And I really just feel so much better the next day. Also going back to this idea of like the drunkorexia. So interesting. Like when you said, you know, they're shoveling pizza into their mouths and like the alcohol was almost like the permission that they could have something like that. There's this idea of like, okay, so pretend you're going out for, you're out on a a long run. It's really hot out. You come home and you are just like, so thirsty. You're not going to tell yourself, oh, I shouldn't drink water. I shouldn't drink water. I shouldn't drink water. You're going to go and you're going to fulfill that craving and you're going to chug right. down water, right? But with food, when we have these cravings and we need alcohol to allow ourselves permission, like it, the logic of it doesn't make sense, but it, right. it's your body responding and being like, yes, we've been hungry for so long. Finally, give me all of the food. And in my mind, I'm like, okay, I can, I'm obviously going to eat when I come home because it makes me feel better the next day. But also I'm going to eat before because it's going to end up being the same exact thing as if I ate before or if I binged on food later on with a healthier mindset. Right. And I think that is your mindset because you have healed your relationship with food, right? right? Like you have, you're not looking at food as calories. Like you're looking at food as like, how am I going to feel good? How am I going to feel better? 
I think so many people struggle with that because so many people view food just in terms of like the macronutrients, calories and fat. So for them, it's like, well, if I'm adding calories, I have to somehow remove other calories, but that's just not the right way of looking at it because the calories in food is just not the same as the calories in alcohol. Exactly. Also, not that it's about this, but your body doesn't love to store alcohol anyway. So it's so important to eat because it's, you're not providing your body with any energy whatsoever when you drink alcohol. Yeah. No, I was going to say the same thing. Just providing your body with a little extra fun if it makes you have fun. And that's the thing. It's like, is drinking like enhancing your social experience? Right. Right. So is it adding value? And you know, I've had conversations around alcohol and sort of how this fits into intuitive eating with my clients, because I think there's so much confusion because we're so focused on these rules and rigidity around food and beverage. And so, you know, I think kind of sort of shifting gears a bit in terms of how, if alcohol does fit into this idea of intuitive eating. Mm -hmm. Well, the first thing we want to look at is your relationship with alcohol. Is it something that is bringing you joy? Are you drinking, you know, to, again, like I said, enhance your experience, or are you solely using alcohol as a way to numb yourself, soothe yourself, deal with your emotions? And are you using it in a way that might not be the most healthy for your body? And so it's important to look at like your past experience with alcohol and your current experience with alcohol. And the other piece is like experimentation. And so similarly to food, we want to focus on how alcohol makes us feel. Mm-hmm. And so you might like the sugary drinks, but maybe your body is like, no, right. <laughs> this is this is not working for me. Right. And if you wake up with like a severe hangover the next day or you feel pretty crappy, that might be an indication, like maybe that's not the best drink of choice for you. But I really do think that like experimenting with different drinks and figuring out, like exploring, like what drinks do I like? Do I like wine? Do I like cocktails? And really being able to tune in with your body. So if you've had one drink, can you kind of take a pause and be like, how do I feel right now? Right. Right? Like, could I use some water? Do I need some food? How would another drink make me feel? How would it make me feel tomorrow? And so again, sort of leaning into that and just without any judgment, just real curiosity and, you know, just seeing like, how is this experience helping or how is this maybe harming me? Yes, exactly. And that's the whole aspect of like where this intuitive piece can come in, right? Where you can have the sugary drink if you want. But for me, like usually for me, I'll have, you know, one of the sugary drinks or whatever I want on the menu. And then I'll be like, oh, okay, like either that was heavy or I know I'm not going to feel great the next day. So let me switch to, you know, vodka soda with fresh lime juice or whatever it is. And that's definitely like the more intuitive piece of things, right? It's not like, oh, well, I'm just going to go and have all the drinks in the world and I'm going to deal with the hangover. That's not as intuitive. And maybe some nights you do that and that's fine. (laughs) But also remembering that, you know, you have a day to live tomorrow and you, depending on what you have to do, want to feel some type of way. And taking that pause is so crucial because that's something that I started to incorporate more and more when I came out of college and I was like, okay, what am I doing here? Like, we don't need to be like drunk Mm -hmm. off the walls anymore. And I would pause 
And a lot of times that I find I'm pausing, I'm like, why am I grabbing for another drink? And just asking myself that question. And what is this going to do for me? Right? Because a lot of times it's stimulation in a social environment. So it like that feeling of maybe you feel awkward or it's like a social environment you're not used to. Like for me to have a drink in my hand and be sipping on it, like almost helps cope with like the social anxiety aspect of things. So when I ask myself that question and sometimes it's like, okay, well, I'm just going to go make a drink and pour seltzer in it. Like nobody's going to know the difference. So asking yourself, what is the reason (laughs) that you're really having another drink? I, I totally agree. And that actually reminds me of you know, back when I really did not want to drink and drinking provoked some anxiety within me, or I, or as my therapist would say, like I gave myself anxiety from worrying about drinking, but my old therapist said he had another client who also did not want to drink, but felt a lot of social pressure to drink. And so at a party, what he would do is people would give him a drink and he would take it and then he would put it down like three minutes later. And he kept doing this. And everyone who kept getting drunker and drunker around him would pick up the cup of alcohol and drink it. And he was like fully sober and that was his choice and that's what he wanted. But I do think that there is so much social pressure, especially... I wouldn't even say college years. I I think like anytime there's social pressure, if you're not drinking, the question is always, why not? Right. Funny enough, when I was in college and I, you know, I was on blood thinners post heart surgery, I was in a frat house. And I mean, you can only imagine at Lehigh, it's like, why aren't you drinking? Right. And to shut up the frat people, I was like, (laughs) I'm actually on blood thinners. I just had cardiac surgery. And he's like, holy (laughs) shit. Like, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so if you want to, you know, shut someone up, just tell them you're on blood thinners and that will make them real quiet. Yep, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, so there is a ton of social pressure to drink. And I think it's important to really do what feels good for you mentally and physically. So if drinking is not something that brings you joy, if drinking is not something that makes you feel physically good, maybe addiction runs in your family and you just want to stay clear from it. I think that it's important to stay true to yourself. And as Lauren said, like if you want to just pour yourself a fake drink and pretend that you're drinking it, you don't owe anyone an explanation, right? right? Like you can just say like, oh, like this is delicious. I'm drinking a vodka soda. Literally. Or you can say like, I'm not drinking tonight. But I do think that there is this expectation for people to drink and it makes it really hard to say no, especially Mm -hmm. if someone's a people pleaser and, you know, want to be engaged and want to feel included. Yes, a hundred percent. I really resonate with the people pleasing aspect of things because a lot of times to invitations to going out or anything like that, I never want to say no, because in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh, well, I don't want to be left out or what if it's really fun or, and whatnot. But that doesn't mean that I have to go and I have to drink. I can just go and enjoy my time and have a club soda and whatnot. And I know at first, like that was something I used to really struggle with. Like I remember literally walking around like dages with a water bottle of wine. I like can't take you seriously when you say dages. (laughs) (laughs) Daging. Where are you going to the date? What dage are you going to today? So funny. Walking around with a water bottle of wine just to like prove like, oh, I'm drinking, right? Where I would just like literally just carry it around and like maybe take a sip every hour. (laughs) Right. So it's just all about the societal and for people to be like, oh, what you got in there? Oh, it's wine. Like, 
who cares? I mean, I did at the time. So, right. And I also think it's an age thing. I, I personally like care a lot less as I get older, if I choose not to drink, I also will say though, this is a totally different topic, but it just reminded me of dating and alcohol. Because if you think that saying no to a friend when you're not wanting to drink is awkward, imagine being on a first date and it's really looked down upon. And I will say when I was in my like restrictive mindset, dieting mindset, I went out with someone who I I knew the moment I, he opened his mouth, I'm like, no way in hell. I'm like, nope. And what ended up happening was, I'm like, I'm not wasting calories on this guy. I'm like, oh, I, I'm like, no, like, I want this day to end as soon as possible. Right. And so I ordered a club soda and he was really offended. He's like, what do you want? I was like, oh, just a club soda. He's like, and what? I'm like tequila. I'm like, no, vodka. No. He's like, you're just going to drink club soda. I was like, yep. So I do think that there is a whole other pressure to drinking when people are dating Yeah, because it's, again, it's part of that, that experience and you're almost like sharing it with that person. Right. So it's, it's really, it's, it makes it really hard. And I think it has this whole attachment to like being fun, right? There's almost yes. this to like be the yes. fun person. And if you aren't engaging in drinking or anything, it's like, oh, well, she's no fun. Right. Whereas right. You could literally have a drink in your hand and be acting like yourself and like the drink be seltzer be, and someone be like, oh my gosh, you're so fun. And 100%. like, you're not even drinking, but they don't even realize. And I feel like that happens when people are like, feel sure of themselves or feel confident without the yes. alcohol. Yes. There is a reason people call alcohol like liquid courage, because yes. I feel like it makes people feel more confident when they drink, mm-hmm. but you can still gain that confidence, not through alcohol. Yeah. Kind of going back to what you were saying about like the why, I think the why behind either why you're drinking, why you're not drinking is really important. So for example, you know, for you, you mentioned that the way you intuitively drink is, you know, if you have a sugary drink at first, you check in with yourself and you're like, you know what? I think I would prefer to have this like vodka soda as my second drink. But that's a lot different than someone who chooses to do the vodka soda simply because of the calories without actually checking in with themselves. So I do think it's important to kind of go back to like the why behind your choice, just as it is with food, right? You can choose the salad at the restaurant, like sounds amazing. But if you're only choosing the salad because it's the lowest calorie option, that's something that you want to explore and dig a bit deeper in. Exactly. 100%. Yeah. It might've come off the way of like, oh, well, I just choose the vodka soda next because that's the better option. Right. But really it's the better option for how I'm going to feel not completely like calories and sugar and, and with that intention behind it. Yeah. And I think the same could be true for food too. It's also very different when you fully reject this dieting mentality, which is the first principle of intuitive eating, because when that doesn't play such a strong role in your head, you really are choosing from a place of within and like, this is what I want to do. And it really has nothing to do with some of these external factors. It simply has to do with like, how do I want to feel tomorrow morning? Or how does this make me feel tonight? And it's a huge difference when that happens. A hundred percent. 
And so, you know, obviously gaining an understanding of how different drinks affect you and how you feel is so important. But some questions you might want to ask yourself is like, one, like, why do I choose to drink alcohol, right? Am I choosing to drink to numb myself? Am I choosing it because I want to fit in? Am I choosing it because I genuinely enjoyed and I feel like it enhances the food and the social experience. So asking yourself, like, why do I choose to drink is important. How am I going to feel when I do drink alcohol is also important. So, you know, for me, it really negatively impacts my sleep. I wake up from like three to 5 a.m. and it's horrible because when you're waking up from three to five, you can only imagine what that does to your productivity the next day, your energy levels the next day. And so figuring out like, how do I want to feel? And then also like, what happens when I drink alcohol? Do I have anxiety the next day? And I, you know, I've have some friends who are really mean drunks. I don't know why, but their meanness really (laughs) comes out and it's scary. Yeah. And so, you know, how do I act? How do I behave when I drink alcohol? How am I as like a human? And so I think these are all like really important questions to ask yourself and also just to like explore your relationship with alcohol a bit deeper. Totally. I love all of those questions. And then the other piece too, what I will say is I think it's so important to let go of rules around alcohol. And so asking yourself again with the why, like, am I choosing this drink because this sounds refreshing? And I feel like this will probably benefit me the most, or am I choosing it because the margarita sounds like a really high calorie drink and it makes me afraid? So that's an important piece, checking in with your appetite. And I know, Lauren, you discuss this like a lot, like making sure that you eat before and you kind of eat afterwards so that you feel your best. But making sure that you're eating a little something or at least like checking in with your appetite so you're not eating or I should say drinking on an empty stomach. You know, alcohol is absorbed a lot more quickly on an empty stomach, which I think for some like college students especially is a perk. Yep. But for your overall health and well-being, we definitely want you to get some food in your system. Yes. And so funny, that just reminds me of a memory of like, I used to be the girl that like always had food in her bag because I had such a fear of like just feeling like my blood sugar was low and being dizzy or whatever it was. So I always had food. Like if I was home and I went out in the city, my mom would pack me a PB and J. I was at school. I probably had a bar in my bag. Like always. That has to do with the control factor too, right? It's like, Feeling the need to control. Right. So like I can I, get food whenever I need it. Like right, exactly. Like, like you're not control, in a desert. Right. The control <laughs> of having it made me feel so much more at peace. Have you ever heard of the hunt? No. Okay. So it's basically oh, wait, this the, horse. The horse race? Yes. 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 So I once brought like a whole avocado. Because, <laughs> like, God forbid I didn't bring something healthy. Like I could have right. just brought like anything. Right. I and decided to bring like a full avocado with me to the hunt in addition to like a turkey sandwich. But again, it went past this idea of like, oh my God, like God forbid there isn't food, not just food, but food that I will approve of. Cause that was the other thing too. Like there obviously is always food around, but I had to like approve of the food that I was going to consume. Yes. All right, guys, let us know how you liked this epi. 
And if you are enjoying the podcast so far, we would be so very appreciative if you would rate, review, subscribe. It helps the podcast so much. The only way that we promote this podcast is through our own social media pages. So if you like this episode, screenshot it, share it on your social media. That's the only way that we get the word out about the podcast. So We love you guys so much and thank you for listening. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Food Therapy. If you enjoyed what you heard and want to support our podcast, please subscribe, hit download and share it with your community. We value your feedback. If you feel inspired, please leave a review. Let us know what you've learned and what you would like to hear next. All information about this episode will be linked in our show notes. New episodes of Food Therapy come out every Sunday, but you can stay connected with Food Therapy all week long by following us on Instagram at Food Therapy Pod. As a disclaimer, this podcast should not replace therapy or working with a registered dietitian. Thank you again, and we'll see you next week.